David, this time you're a guest. Okay. <laughs> and you're on the verge of uh, publishing a very interesting, potentially interesting uh, book. Hmm. The title of it is Edmund Sexton Perry, The Politics of Virtue and Intrigue in 18th Century Ireland. That's a, that's a, that's a mouthful of, of... It is. It looks better when it's on the book. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's a biography, John. It's a biography of Sexton uh, Perry. Se- Sexton Perry. And, Perry. and the first thing people people be thinking now, where have I heard that name or Perry? Yeah. Uh, and they'll think maybe of Limerick and they might think of Perry Square. And, uh, and that's where we are. And, that, and that's where this man... Uh, this man owned what is today effectively the centre of Limerick City, and one of the remarka- one of his remarkable achievements, probably the only thing that maybe people might uh, think of as his legacy, is is that part of the city, that Georgian part of the city, the grid structure. Perry uh, Square, are Perry's, we talking Perry Square? Uh, you, could, you could maybe start at, Hunt, at the Hunt Museum and end in Perry Square, and all of that is what was called initially Newtown Perry, um, and what today is Limerick City Centre. So, so a chapter of the book is devoted to that. And where does it, where does it you know, head off? What am I looking at before uh, it emerged? As we know it, a Georgian yeah. streetscape. It was going going into the medieval period. It was a mona- it was monastic land. Yeah. Uh, and Perry's ancestor, when the monasteries were dissolved during Henry VIII's time, uh, the monastic lands and it w- would have been green fields for the most part, yeah. maybe some small houses and cabins, they would have been transferred to uh, his ancestor, a guy called Edmund Sexton, hence why he was called Edmund Sexton, and uh, eventually came into the Perry family. They had a little estate uh, in County Clare as well called Stackpool's, Stackpool Court. Right? And at that time, David, would the, the city centre, as we would have known it then, was this side of the, was the north side of the river, uh, we'll say where the um, King John's Castle, King John's Castle is, yeah. is in that area. The medieval there. it was much smaller. Limerick City was much smaller. It was King John's Castle, Saint Mary's Cathedral. That was called English Town, and then the Irish Town on, uh, on the opposite side of the Abbey River across Balls Bridge, um, and it was a walled city. And Perry in the 1760s was able to argue that the walls should come down. Uh, to facilitate facilitate trade, he advocated the building of the Customs House, which is now the Hunt Museum. Uh, can he, we look at the type of trades that would have been happening then at that time? Yeah, well, the, the uh, trade coming in, John, or yes, the uh, occupation. Uh, yeah, well, uh, the, uh, it was the trade going out was predominantly agricultural. So beef and butter were big staples, leaving leaving Limerick as it was for, as it was in Cork, as it was in Dublin. Um, so it's predominantly agricultural and uh, corn and wheat. And pe- what Perry wanted to do was he wanted to connect Limerick to Dublin because Dublin, like it is today, was still was a dominant port uh, in terms of trade. And he wanted to get agricultural goods from the Midwest into Dublin. And, of course, the motorways of the 18th century were the canals. 
There were vast canals being built in England and in parts of Europe, and Perry w- hoped to achieve the same. The Irish economy was booming. And did he? He Yes. It took a long time, and it was probably one of his greatest... We had Pat Hayes here earlier talking about his achievements and the bypasses and, also, and, and the bridge and so on. Uh, Perry had a number of achievements in terms of infrastructure, but probably one of his great disappointments was the canal from Limerick City to Killaloo. It took for it took it took uh, fifty years to build. Now, in it the should have it should have taken a lot less. Um, and even then, it wasn't. He managed to survive. He was about he was in his eighties when he died, so he could see the the longevity of it. Um, it was really a white elephant, and it got going into the 19th century. But mm-hmm. people had hoped, and he and others had invested significant amounts, what today might be considered millions, into this scheme. That so did the Parliament, the Parliament in Dublin, which he was, he was by the way, the Speaker of Parliament from the 1770s to the 1780s. That's where the, the virtue and intrigue yeah. comes in, which we yeah. won't get, probably get into yeah. today. But he managed to funnel a lot of money into Limerick for new keys and so on, and for the canal. And where was his original money coming from? Where, how did he accumulate the wealth to his, be involved? His own... Well, he was a member of the landed elite. Yeah. Uh, he had, as I said, a the small estate in, 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 in Clare and Limerick, and that's producing enough money. But once he gets into... Po- he himself is a lawyer. But they weren't paid, you see. Uh, Parliamentarians were yeah. not paid. Yeah. Um, so he's earning a lot of money uh, as a as a lawyer and um, from his estate, and that's yeah. enough. And when he becomes speaker, he gets a nice salary of three thousand pounds, which is money. you know hundreds of thousands yeah. in today's terms. Sexton Perry was there a, an ecclesiastical um, element in the family? Well, actually, Sexton comes from, it was a Clare name, is still a Clare name. Sexton comes from an Irish Gaelic name. It's the anglicisation of, of an Irish name. So no, you would imagine that Sexton, Sexton in a church, but not that. It's an anglicisation of an Irish name. Um, oh, Shaxnon oh, would be the Irish. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, so during the Reformation, the Osasnons or whoever he was uh, converted number one to the established church um, and changed his name, became Anglican. Yeah, when I was asking you about the trade, I mean, we know that, that silver was a, a significant, um, Limerick silver had a reputation. Does that come in anywhere in the in the research well except that he is what we would t- what, what in the 18th century would have been termed a patriot not like Pauric Pierce now not <coughs> nationalism but yeah, a yeah. patriot a supporter of anything to do with Ireland or the Irish and so he is a big fan of self-sufficiency so if silver can be produced in Limerick he would be supporting it. He, he, he was a big fan of supporting Irish paper, the Irish paper industry. And, a lo- and there was, a, a, at Anacotti, um, just there before Castle Troy, there was a paper manufactory or a factory, and again, he was able to funnel some money here uh, for that purpose. So he's, he's, he, he manages to um, support a lot of nascent Just to, to tie two things together, when Pat O'Brien was here earlier talking about Broadford and Kilsealy, and he made reference to the Arthurs, who yeah. you know, had influence and land yeah. out in Broadford, 
were were the archers have would they have been gone? Let's say by the time the the Perrys were, no, or would they have coexisted? They're contemporaries. The Arthurs uh, and the Perrys would have been contemporaries at the end of the 18th century. The Arthurs being a Catholic family at that point, and Perry was very pro-Catholic. Uh, he was part of the national movement to begin the repeal of the penal laws. Um, so uh, they would have known each other, and they would have the, the Arthurs and the Roaches, the Catholic Roaches, were the two dominant Catholic families there, and would have would have liked Perry, I suspect, and what he was doing um, at parliamentary national level. Are there Perrys still left? There in, is in, and in Limerick or in the Lim- in the region. Well, no, not in the region. But one of them, the Earl of Limerick, will be launching my book on the twenty seventh <laughs> of June. So thank you for that little uh, segue <laughs> into this. Yeah, the current Earl of Limerick. I think he's the second, seventh Earl of Limerick. This man got a title, but had no sons. He had two daughters, and part of the intrigue actually is how he manages to get uh, the title for his for his b- brother who's the Bishop of Limerick. So strange for a bishop to be made uh, a peer, but anyway, he managed it. And it's from that family, from the bishop, uh, that this that th- these Perrys are ultimately descended. Um, they remained in Limerick until the 19th century. The, the estate was sold, I think, around 1907, when most of the ground rent was sold. Um, they moved to England, where they remain, and uh, very nice people. They assisted me with all sorts of things. Actually, I reproduce some of the images uh, of Perry and his brother, the bishop, in the book from, from their collection. Okay. Well, we look forward to... The- yeah. The, the 27th of June, 27th John. 27th of June. In, in the Hunt Museum. In the Hunt the building, Museum. The building that he had uh, yeah. built. Yeah. yeah. So at, at what time? 6.30. 6.30. All welcome. And they'll be... Um, and the book will be on sale at a, at a very significant and juicy offer. Oh, we'll, oh, all, we'll all be there we'll for that. We'll all be there for that, <laughs> yeah. Listen... David, many thanks. Well done on the book. Thank we you, look Jim. forward to getting our, our hands on it. Great. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, great to see one of our own in yeah. the, in the, in the limelight. Thanks, and, Jim. And doing that. Thank you, David.